You're listening to the Journey to Impact Fireside Chat Series with Gino Borges, curator of the Poetry of Impact, a platform for supporting the collective inquiry into deep impact. As a part of the Poetry of Impact, the Journey to Impact podcast brings to life the ebb and flow inherent on the path of impact, illuminating the interior journey of the hearts and minds of today's top leaders in impact. Here, you'll hear the intimate stories of those who push forward to overcome self-limitations and societal barriers, to co-create a world where one day, all people and planet can thrive together. Hi, I'm Gino Borges, curator of the Journey to Impact podcast series. Joining us today is Scott Saslow. Scott is the founder and CEO of One World, training and investments, which provide organizations training and capital to profitably increase their social impact. Prior to One World, Scott was founder and CEO of the Institute of Executive Development, a for-profit global company that drives innovation in executive and senior leader development, also was a strategic planner at Microsoft through the late 90s, has an MBA from Harvard as well. Scott is also a member of Tonic, a global network of impact investors that invest in positive social and environmental change. And I'm proud to announce that this conversation with Scott is brought to you as part of a partnership between the Poetry of Impact and Tonic. Welcome, Scott. Thank you so much, Gino. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Scott, take us through this word, one world, in terms of this title. Uh, I mean, where was sort of this aha moment like, bam, that's what we need to name our mission and our journey. And because this is what it feels like, and this is what we need to charge forward with. Well, okay. Uh, Let's see. Great question. So we founded the business initially as the Palo Alto Impact Center. Um, This was roughly 2015. And after about a year and a half, and working with my close colleague, Angie Mertens, we determined we were ready for a little rebranding. And the reason was sort of twofold. One was um, we didn't really believe there would be a physical center as part of our kind of immediate future. And that name felt kind of a distraction, uh, the impact center. The second was... um, we we realized that Palo Alto uh, certainly had had its you know kind of some some pros in terms of why we we thought we wanted to use that, but it also felt a little bit eliminating and and exclusionary. So that was sort of not aligned with the values that we that we saw. Um, I I wish I could say exactly I recall when and and where and how One World itself popped in. We we did entertain a whole bunch of things. I, I suppose the dirty little secret that anyone involved in branding will tell you is often it's a question of what URLs are available. Um and and so we kind of came close with uh with One World dot training and One World dot investments. But what we do like about the world, and we we said a few words about this on our website is. You know, this notion one, um, what we believe the impact field can benefit from and what we hope that we're making a contribution with is this notion of breaking down silos. What when 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 I started the Palo Alto Impact Center, what I noticed was sure there was a lot of really interesting pockets of of uh social impact, but it it seemed to be kind of disconnected 
um, with uh, a lot of the other initiatives. So in other words, great things happening a la the philanthropic and foundation and nonprofit kind of social sector, some really interesting things happening at that time out of the um, the the, the uh, public sector, certainly, uh, and the private sector. But we, what we didn't feel there was, it was sort of this connective glue, connective tissue to, to bring it all together and help, help um, leverage and drive some synergy. So that's a little bit the thinking behind the one element. The world element was, you know, and as I say, yes, in our early days, we, we had uh, even kind of put Palo Alto a little bit front and center, um, feeling like Palo Alto, as it relates to Silicon Valley, is seen as kind of ground zero. There's a lot of innovation um, that's associated with, with Palo Alto and broader Silicon Valley. Um, but by the same token, we, we, we quickly saw even the entrepreneurs that were based in the Bay Area that we felt we could help uh, with our services, which I'll get into, you know, they, they were inevitably, they were designing their work for the world, for a world population of beneficiaries, for a, a global population of, um, you know, kind of participants, um, kind of whatever their business may be. So in any, that's a little bit how we ended up with one world. So how has that actually played out? Uh, you mentioned being at ground zero in Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley is obviously known as a tech scene. I'd be curious about, because you're right there at the intersection of where it's all happening. And then now all of a sudden you come in with this impact intentionality, which always isn't, or which uh, often isn't the case um, well, with a tech startup, tech is tech. Is tech. Uh, and there's another layer of intentionality. What have you been discovering in that in-betweenness between impact and tech scene? How has tech informed your impact initiatives and how has impact and trying to live and invest intentionally, create organizationally intentionally, and also inform the tech scene down in Palo Alto? Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. Um, you know, what I would say is, I think w- what I saw in 2015 and now I'm seeing in 2020 and going forward is, there, there certainly is a lot of desire in not just Silicon Valley, but I would say in, in kind of the broader, um, you know, private sector um, to increase organizational impact. There's, there's a lot of desire. Now we can, we can dive into that, and some of that is purely for profit reasons, and some of that is greenwashing, and some of that is, you know kind of fully authentic, um, altruistic, I, I certainly believe, and kind of every shade, you know, lots of shades of gray, let's say. But what I what I do believe is there is a, a real intention um, to the point at which a lot of, and rightfully so, I think a lot of tech leaders have been called out for having these kind of lofty vision statements and, you know, um, kind of, you know, far-reaching goals. And then you kind of look at the underlying activity of what some of these companies are doing. And you say there's just a mismatch. Mm-hmm. But if I'm optimistic, I would say, and again, this is beyond just the tech scene or Silicon Valley. There's a real hunger for, and this is accelerated. I'd say this is kind of hockey sticked, so to speak, in the last couple of years, you know, 20, uh, 2019 and 2020. And so when I'm optimistic, I look at that and I say, okay, great. You know, there's kind of fertile ground. How do we help? How do we help 
move the dial? How do we help inform these organizations? Well, what are the various ways that you can you can drive impact and, and scale impact, which is our core mission? Now, historically, we have focused, and still to this day, primarily on the very early side of the ecosystem, um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, meaning we're working with very early stage entrepreneurs. In some cases, we're funding them. In some cases, we're providing them uh, sort of human capital and talent management services. And these are companies that are not quite, you know, two people in a slide deck. Uh, usually, we're getting in touch with them when they may be um, a small group. Uh, mm-hmm. They're looking to put, they did a friends and friends and family round. They're now looking to do their their pre seed. Um, all the way through sort of Series A, Series B. So that's typically where we're involved in the early stage of the ecosystem. Yes, in fact, we do some work with the corporates and kind of the Global 2000. We can maybe get to that a little bit later. But you know, back to your question, I, I think within tech, there, there was an, an increasing, um, a, a genuine desire, how can you know, both we, our organization function in a way that's more socially and environmentally impactful and then, uh, how, you know, the products and services we're delivering, um, how can those, how can we be thoughtful about the impact? There is clearly a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but I, yeah, the optimistic side of me says, okay, let, let's see if we can make a dent in helping some of those companies get from A to B. So I'm going to ask you uh, two questions related to that last response. One, what, what was the source of your influence in going down the direction of impact and then two um related to the last response is that you know it's a hockey stick curve of awareness around wanting uh to do at least at organizational levels like wanting to do better what is the source of that awareness like is it because of a, a seemingly a, uh is it a, is it a feeling of guilt is it a feeling of uh additional awareness? Is it a mandate that's coming down that people feel pressured by? Um, just sort of take me through those two levels, you personally, and then what you're seeing organizationally happening. Okay, very cool. So personally, you know, I, I don't want to say I was sort of, you know, um, born with the impact gene. I, my, my parents, who I, I am fortunate to have both of, and I love dearly, both imparted different you know, philosophy and, and value set on me. My father was a traditional businessman mm-hmm. um, and and loved the work he did. And I credit my interest in business and using, using the private sector to, to his work. <clears throat> Pardon. Um, my mother was more, uh, you know, sort of right brain creative type who was, you know, more civically minded, always involved in um, kind of PTA activities and, and, and civic obligations and whatnot that, that, sort of exposed me to that. Um, and I, uh, and so, you know, somewhere along the line, I think, and maybe this, you know, fast forward a little bit into the college years where I started getting exposed to various nonprofits that I just felt a connection to. Um, I remember one of the very first ones that I exposure to was the special Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even back in college, um, I was a coach uh, for the Special Olympics, one of the local chapters in Evanston, Illinois, where I was where I was for college. Um, th- that that exposed me to a population I had never seen, quite frankly, growing up, kind of you know the way I did um, in the suburbs of Chicago, going to going to college. Um, so that was very eye opening, and I think a, a you know meaningful. 
Um, then uh, Special Olympics kind of has an interesting thread for me because between my undergrad and my uh, business education, I actually took six months. I, I, I had a bit of a window and I wanted to get some international business experience uh, before starting my work. And so um, I actually went back to the Special Olympics at kind of at the organizational level and said, you know, can I help out? Is there a place I can go and, and do something for the organization? I said, great. We want you in Santiago, Chile uh, for six months, go down there and help them kind of think a little bit more uh, entrepreneurially and opportunistically about how they can move their mission forward. Um, so fast forward, I did that certainly um, and kind of had a um, another, I'd say, strong you know impact on me and my understanding of the broader world and understanding of people at, in all parts of society. Um, then kind of my career path for 20 some years after that was again, mostly a traditional career path or I should say a traditional business career path. Um, but I always had kind of this social gene, but it was, it was always relegated and kind of kept at bay. It was always kind of, you know, nights and weekends, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be on a board of a nonprofit, but you know, that was kind of after hours, if you will, um, was around 2015, around the start of one world, where I had come out of my my last business, the leader development consultancy, and I felt, um, boy, you know, this impact field. I kind of took a fresh look at it. It's really matured, you know, quite dramatically since you know maybe the last time I, I had exposure to it, understanding what was happening with impact investing and. Um, you know, it's kind of corporate social impact and seeing, as I referenced earlier, I, you know, at least a desire. It starts with the desire mm-hmm. uh, here in, in the tech community around how do you do good and also power your business forward and so forth. So it was really at that point I said, um, I'm still super keen about this whole field of talent management. That was the focus of my last uh, work. Maybe I can bring talent management and a new layer, a level of professional talent management into the impact field. And that was really kind of my, you know, transition, let's say, from traditional business to to impact and making that kind of my sole focus. Your question on the, you know, seeing broader organizations, what's driving their desire to, to maybe make some change? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I always joke, I, I, I wish I could, if I could die and come back as a millennial, I would, because I, I, I love the way that they're wired from a value set standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really just kind of in their genes. I, I think, unfortunately, the time um, that they're growing up and being exposed to the world and all the idealism that comes, you know, with that age is uh, they're just seeing so many problems not getting solved you know, at a scale that we probably have never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as it relates to sort of, you know, early stage companies, where again, a lot of our work focuses and the, often with millennial founders and co-founders, um, you know, there, there's not a lot of convincing, if you will, that, hey, you know, there's a way to kind of drive your business in a way that's that's socially impactful. Let's talk about that. For corporates, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, it's it's a whole different, you know, can of worms, um, I, you know, I would just be uh, kind of surmising a little bit of of what is driving some of the the corporates. Some of our work, um, as I say, we interface with them. You know, I, I think that there there is interest. I, I think whereas you're not seeing millennial 
you know, millennials in, in senior management at the board level at the C-suite with Fortune 500s yet, um, you know, those that are leading that part of the economy, um, some of them have some, you know, their ideals from, from kind of when they grew up um, and that's been imparted on them. The, and I also just think there, there's a bit of a recognition that, you know, we can't, the, the rate of change that's happening in our world and, and the casualties of that, you know, individual casualties, organizational, environmental casualties, um, it's just sort of overwhelming the public sector, you know, and the social sector, God bless, you know, their heart. They're just, they're just sorely under-resourced to deal with the change. So I, I do think there's, if you're saying, you know, kind of at the, at the, uh, high end of the spectrum in terms of uh, organizational size, the global 2000, there's a recognition that if we really want to see changes, we, <laughs> with the resources and the innovation, um, and, and often now the backing of Wall Street, that's kind of a whole other interesting conversation, we're going to have to really step up. We, we really can't wait. And, and it's not, you know... <laughs> I forget the year when Google did its IPO, 2004, somewhere around there maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of fanfare because in the prospectus, you know, was this notion of, you know, do no evil. And they were being applauded for putting something so non-business, let's say, in their perspective. And if you step back from that, you, you know, as a cynic, rightfully, you could say, Really? Do no evil gets you brownie points? Like what? That's how low the bar is. And um, but that said, I you know I do believe that was at least the start of something and kind of an indication, maybe poorly worded, but you know of of a broader value set that was was emerging. So I I think you know just back to the corporates and and you know maybe one of the topics you know wh where is this all going for us? <clears throat> I do think Wall Street is actually getting on board. Interestingly, I think the the institutional investors, in some ways, are ahead of the private investors um, in really sort of recognizing the the financial value of impact investing beyond just let's say the social value. And um, and so you know, if you're in the C-suite today of a, of a global two thousand, and you feel like, well, look, you know, kind of have the backing of Wall Street. Um, you know, we certainly have, you know, there's, you know, up and down the organization, there's a whole host of, of ways in which organizations can change their impact posture. And, you know, so, so there are now plenty of organizations espousing a lot of great practices that the, that, you know, a given global 2000 can, can put in place. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see a lot more of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you talked about resources and one of the things uh, that's always interesting is like how people come, come to be resourceful. There's, there's lots of different resources, obviously, but I mean, was there a particular enabling event within your life that actually created the space and so the latitude to say in Texas explore, uh, because it's not like one world gets created overnight. It's not like you create a strategic consulting um, service overnight. Um, you know, I mean, all of these are enormous amounts uh, of work and it just takes time in order to establish. Just curious about how you like, was there an enabling event or a series of events that actually put you in a resourceful position? Well, 
you know, I, I think it was, as I say, a combination for me personally of, of seeing that, um, you know, I, I love, again, again, kind of shades of gray. I, I, I love what I love about the impact space. There's some things that can be changed and improved upon, but what, you know, one of the beautiful things is it, it it's really, it, it's highly inventive. It's highly, you know, it's going through some interesting evolution. And so that in and of itself is kind of intellectually stimulating, if you will, aside from kind of the, the societal good that it does, obviously that's the foundation, but that it really does, you don't have to choose this. There's this notion of having your cake and being able to eat it too. You know, you can, as an individual, as I said, you know, I, I very much enjoyed working for the Special Olympics, but I also enjoyed working for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Well, those are very different organizations. Um, and, and I think for a lot of folks, and even to, you know, at least the mindset is that, well, you kind of have to choose. You know, you're an investor. Okay, well, do you want returns or do you want impact, right? And so the, the impact economy, as I say, one of the beautiful things is they're kind of blowing up that core assumption. There, there just aren't these silos anymore. There, there are shades of gray. There's ways where... Actually, forget about trade-offs. Let's talk about synergy. How doing them, you know, both will will be synergistic to one another. And so for me, it was just this feeling like, you know, I don't have to kind of limit my social activities to nights and weekend. That felt like I was under-resourcing that. Um, but yet I'm not, I, I don't think I would enjoy, you know, working in, let's call it a, a traditional not-for-profit or kind of social sector um, environment. I, I like the the buzz, the feel, the cadence, the incentives that go along with the private sector. Yeah. So again, what I saw in 2015 was, wow, you know, there's really some institutional, you know, um, money that is flowing into the space. And I think a lot more is going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing that the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem is going to, um, uh, you know, continue to evolve, that there's now kind of a new mindset and, this will, you know, hopefully, and, and I think it it has and will certainly continue. Kind of just opens up a whole new, whole new way of operating within within both, right? I think the private sector has a lot to learn from the public sector, and vice versa. I mean, how do you hold that paradox? You know, I you, you talked about the idea of the the seemingly um, the or the seeming paradox between working at Microsoft and enjoying being at the Special Olympics. Uh, you know the you know, I mean, the, the the hard and heavy tactics of Steve Ballmer versus, you know, the compassion of what one would uh, be called forth to share with them I in the Special um, Olympics community. Curious as at, in, in your particular field and um, yourself in general, you probably do come across a lot of just what it seems like paradox. So how do you hold that? And then also, how do you communicate it to others that, look, there's an opportunity here as a result of this paradox, not necessarily that that we need to um, separate the two or over-identify with one at the expense of the other. Very interesting topic. So, you know, my, I guess my response would be, um, you know, at, at my core, I am... Um, you know, op- optimistic. I am, um, you know, everything I've learned about kind of adult learning, um, you know, often that are somewhere around 30, 40, you know, effectively you, you shut down as an adult. Um, I actually um, have a hard time reconciling, 
because on one hand, I know that's what the research says, but part of the reason I had a training business for 12 years and I still think of One World at its heart as a training company and we're training adults, um, not all of whom are 30 or 40, but many of whom are, you know, it's just that that people can learn, that people can change. So I guess what I would say to you and, you know, Paradox or whatnot, or, or if you encounter a personal organization that seems to be very uh, fixed in their mindset, it's um, it's this optimism that I, I suppose I feel that, you know, there's opportunity. Maybe the, you know, as I said, you know, one world, we're, we're trying to bring a different level of education into the marketplace. Now we're, you know, we've, we're primarily providing this for the impact community. One of our goals is actually, you know, recently kind of in our early years, it was, well, we need to be a value add player of the ecosystem in the impact space. So how do we do that? And we, you know, did what we did for a few years. We're now at a point and back to, you know, how do you kind of maybe implicitly in your question, how do how do you leverage, you know, where you are geographically is we're saying, what's the next rung of people, right? We sometimes call them the impact curious, you know? Yeah, we have our core. We go to the same events. We go to SOCAP. We go here. We love it. These are our brothers and sisters. We love them with the passion. It's great to see them. But from a impact perspective, you know, what, what if you say, you know, how do you, what if you did some of those same educational events and whatnot for those that are one foot in and you can actually be an on-ramp for them and instead of the impact, you know, ecosystem being, um, you know, 5X, it's now 50X, right? And so um, that's a lot of, I guess, what we're thinking about is how can we be more um, intentional about those that are, you know, they don't, they're not a social, they wouldn't call themselves a social entrepreneur. Maybe that term, unfortunately, is a little baggage for them. They feel it's going to scare their investor off. Or, you know, if I approach one of my colleagues about a quote, impact investment, they go, oh, okay, well, I do my philanthropy. So, and then I do my angel investing, which is this, right? So, um, I, I, you know, long, long way of saying, I think it's an opportunity to um, try to influence those folks that are on the periphery mm-hmm. or, you know, what is the, what is the opportunity financial and otherwise? Um, but you're certainly right. You know, you're, you're, especially where I, as I characterize, we're operating, we're, we're, we're dealing with a variety of levels of kind of buy-in interest education, and that takes some navigating. So you mentioned this uh, concentric circle around, um, you know, the impact community for the impact curious. I love that name. I uh, am curious about how your desire to access, share with, influence the impact curious, which is probably a very significant population, right? I mean, yeah. you and I and our community are tiny relative to the whole, but that next concentric circle has a, lo- a significant amount of people. How has it influenced the ecosystem of services and products that you are, because essentially they're providing you feedback, right? On what sort of the most pressing need is or vice versa. Like, hey, if we go forward with this in this particular space among the impact curious, we can really sort of leverage and scale because there's just this huge appetite and yet there's really no product service team or an ideology there for them. And just sort of curious about that feedback loop as you've traveled into that space, traveled back with your team, traveled back and, you know, sort of that in-betweenness, 
as you mentioned, you have a fund, you mentioned you have training, you mentioned you have a talent, um, uh, like a talent search. Um, and I see, unsure exactly how, how that works, but in essence, I'm guessing to you, those are all different names, but you sort of see it as one, one thing, all servicing itself, potentially, I'm guessing. So sort of just walk us through that feedback loop and how it has evolved for you. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one as well. And, and so, you know, for us, Angie and I, I think in our early days when we were we were just not known by anyone or anything, and we had to kind of earn our seat at the table, so to speak. You know, our we we to to simplify the world and the task ahead of us. I think what we said was, okay, you know, for people that are already impact investing. Um, how what can we do to kind of help them with products and services for those that are already a social entrepreneur? How do we help them along their journey, etc.? For you know, same um, same goes kind of in the corporate space. Um, and as mentioned, you know, now we're at a point where we feel we want to broaden that, and and that's that's the best kind of leveraging of our resources that we can provide. Um, but the complications are, you know, as you identify, well, now you have a little bit of a mixed audience, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's um, you know, sometimes we like to say in the impact space, oh, it's a, it's a big tent. But by the same token, there's a lot of folks in the impact space, and this is any community or tribe, where there's a purity test, you know? So, for example, make it real tactical. Sometimes, you know, one, one of our marquee events every spring we have done for five years, now six years, is our what we call the Impact Summit. And it's a big kind of demo day for the social impact ecosystem. It's usually a couple hundred people. It's been a live event. In 2020, it was a virtual event. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, lots of great programming and speakers and panels and pitch day and all this great stuff. And increasingly, as we were marching down this, okay, let's let's broaden the tent in the way that we want to see it broadened. Um, yeah, people were not shy about like, oh, why is so-and-so on the speaking slot? They're, they're not an impact fund. Why, what about this entrepreneur or this, you know, th- this isn't like impact. It's not impacty enough. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I mean, quite honestly, not that we're deliberately trying to ruffle feathers, but, yeah. you know, that kind of felt good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. yeah. We're not trying to kind of recreate every, you know, what, what we see as a lot of other um, events and activity where it's, it's, it's a little bit exclusionary to use that word. So, you know, we would, um, we, those are just maybe a tactically, you know, some of the ways in which we try to really increase the, the, and, you know, I mean, I, I'd say it's interesting because especially for investors, sometimes, you know, they will work hard to identify a company and almost like have them, you know, I need to confirm, are you an impact company or not? Are you a social entrepreneur? And I think that's in some ways, I mean, I'm not saying those, that the labels aren't important and the, the wording and the vernacular isn't important, but, um, the ecosystem might get a little too hung up on on that, and um, often when I would hear one one of the investments that we found, um, we found them at the Y Combinator. If you're familiar with the Y Combinator ecosystem, so I was at one of the Y Combinator uh, demo days, and there was this entrepreneur was building an electric airplane, and so I went to hear more about Jeff and his electric airplane, and you know, of course, this was Y Combinator, and it's a very kind of you know, for-profit traditional investor set that's there. And so everything about the presentation was, 
you know, geared for investors of that type. And once I mentioned a little bit about One World and Impact Fund, and here's how we think about that, it just completely changed the dynamic. Uh, and, and yes, I believe the entrepreneur was being authentic, not telling me just what I wanted to hear, but he's like, okay, well, let me tell you why I'm doing what I want to do. Let me tell you what I see as the environmental impact, which were not really part of the conversations to, you know, as a side note, right? It was sort of like, well, here's where we're going to be super profitable environmentally, you know, yeah, we'll talk about that if you want to hear more kind of thing. Now, for me, yeah. that's where I wanted to start. So it, it just goes to show, I mean, I, I think it's, um, you know, what I guess the lesson learned, if there is one perhaps is, you know, here in the impact space, let's, um, let's be thoughtful about how the language is used. Um, sometimes, you know, that, that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, but, uh, in any event, I, I, um, it's been an interesting process kind of interfacing with, you know, being on the, on the borderline, so to speak, the state line between the, you know, the impact community, which I feel I know and love and my brothers and sisters, but also the traditional business environment. And it's, it's become very clear to me. You know, we we will only get so far <laughs> if the impact community stays, you know, a nice tight knit tribe where we all have passed the purity test. We need to, you know, be opening the walls a bit. Sure. So you so you have sort of a unique, and and we'll close with this um, with this question and this inquiry is that you know I get this feeling that one world and you and your team are. Um, really have these parallel tracks that feed each other. One is you have this convening and community feel to you as well. You're creating community, you're convening people. And then, and then you have this capital element as well in terms of um, forming capital. Can you highlight the relationship between the two? How does the convening community inform the capital side and how does the capital side um, inform your convening and, um, you know, community development? Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, um, when we, in the initial days of our business planning, we felt that what we wanted to be was a provider of three different types of capital that can ultimately help scale social impact. So if kind of the goal is, is or the mission is to scale social impact, and the way in which we do that, or one of our strategies, is to provide a variety of capital sources that are that are not being provided, we kind of broke that down into financial capital, human capital, uh, in kind of all its form. Not so, we're not so much a search agency, but we we provide training, we provide support. We're doing right now an executive network uh, for social entrepreneurs, similar to a YPO form, kind of a peer to peer CEO network. So it's it's that kind of human capital. Um, and then intellectual capital, IP, um, and that comes in different forms, especially in, in COVID times where things need to be digital. So we've created an impact directory, which is a, a free-to-use resource online, lists a few hundred um, impact angels, which if you're a social entrepreneur, this is gold. <laughs> and it lists, similarly, we're, we're making pretty comprehensive few hundred um, social entrepreneurs, which if you're an investor, this is a really helpful thing. So we kind of think about these resources. And, and again, I think there's some synergy between them, right? We could have said, well, let's just pick one. Let's just be a fund, you know, and let's mm-hmm. see if we can raise our own capital and deploy that capital. And there's nothing wrong with that strategy. As we know, there's a lot of great impact funds and that's 
you know, maybe 90 plus percent of what they do. Um, but, you know, I like this idea of, of kind of synergy and leveraging across the few areas. Um, another key element to our, our strategy of, well, how are you going to help companies scale social impact is this notion around profitable social impact, a phrase we use a bunch. And the idea there, kind of to our earlier conversation is, yeah, we're looking for that magical intersection where there is profitability uh, that is not compromised. There's, we're not talking about concessionary investing or kind of you know company behavior, which mm-hmm. which draws away from the bottom line. We're we're saying we're going to find those places, and this is a subset, right? It's the overlapping Venn diagram where profitability is increased and social or environmental impact is increased. That's really what we're we're after because and this, you know, as I mentioned, kind of optimist and when I by the same token, I'm a realist, especially as it relates to to let's say mid and, and large size organizations. You know, I've been in in two Fortune 500 companies and I understand that world quite well. Um and the motivations and the incentives and and how things get done and whatnot. And my point of view for you know social impact to scale in those types of organizations, there has to be a profit element. There's only so far. I've shared some of these stats before. You know, if if CSR among Fortune 500s is on the order of 20 billion, which feels like a big number, um, the total expenditure that those same 500 companies have is on the order of a trillion. I think it's like 1.1. And so, you know, CSR as a percentage of the total spend that these companies spend on their people, on their supply chain, um, all the decisions they're making about how they're, you know, how they power themselves, what markets they're going into. I mean, every decision up and down the chain if you want those companies to make a dent in social impact in a positive way, you have to find a way to deal with with the kind of the PL side of it. CSR is only going to grow, or, you know, CSR philanthropic budgets, let's say. They are what they are. They're very subject to the whims of the organization or a new CEO and and whatnot. What's um, CSR stand for? Corporate social responsibility. Okay. So typically within big companies, it's within a CSR department or a person yeah. is where the corporate philanthropy will sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my point is just those are those are those are great dollars. Every dollar there is a, a beautiful thing. We want to see more of them, but they are it's a rounding error yeah. compared to the organization's kind of main thrust. How does it hire its people? How is it making its choices on its workforce? How is it choosing its energy footprint? Um, what customers is it choosing to serve? You know, how is it kind of showing up in all its forms? The, the, so, so to make change in those areas, you have to simultaneously be talking about the financial impact. Mm-hmm. And, and the good news is, I think there's some nice examples where organizations have found that beautiful, you know, point of intersection. Mm. That's a nice summary, uh, Scott. Uh, if you're joining us late, I'm Gino Borges. I'm here with Scott Saslow, founder and CEO of One World. <clears throat> Scott's done a beautiful job of really helping us understand what's happening sort of at this organizational level, uh, not sort of, but what's happening at an organizational level um, and then at a venture level as it relates to impact and then to see how One World 
is actually using an integrative approach, um, both financial capital, intellectual capital, and human capital as part of a larger ecosystem at One World to help out this um, evolving world. And I mean, there's so much more that I want to ask you. I'm just bumping up against time here. Uh, but I think that you have an enormous, um, probably, opportunity and gift to share what the new sort of work world's going to look like as well. And not just in terms of physical plant, but in just at an energetic organizational level that it can be reworked, um, um, you know, to confront the legacy model, which is sort of tired and is being questioned now as a result of this COVID pause, um, what's organizations going to look like? I mean, that, that was where I wanted to go. Um, and that's some of the questions that I had. And I think we're sort of just getting there. Fortunately, we, we ran out of time, but I do want to encourage you to constantly share, sh share, share the work that you're doing with whoever's willing to listen, because, um, I mean, you have some really deep insights and it was really beautiful to watch you connect all the dots, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. It's my pleasure, Gino. I really appreciate the work you're doing to help, uh, help, uh, inform and inspire. Thank you for listening to The Journey to Impact. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by subscribing to this series on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends on your favorite social media platform. For a preview of our previous or upcoming episodes, visit www.poetryofimpact.com.